Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Dewey Burke with the post-game show. The normal host, Tommy Ashley, is unfortunately a little bit under the weather today, so I'm going to try to fill in as best I can, although those are some pretty big shoes. But do we appreciate you coming on here this Sunday evening and talking some heels with me, man. Glad to do it. Yeah, we found a way, didn't we? Yeah, that was a game that I think most Carolina fans were sweating a little bit there in the first half. And that's where we will start off, Dewey, when Tennessee just came out the gates and were really pressing the heels. It looked as if they had a little bit of rust, probably due to not having played a game in 11 days. So what did you see out of the team during that first half? And just talk about that to begin this one. I think that's right. Tennessee took the fight to us in the first 20 minutes. The crowd was into it. And I thought clearly Rick Barnes probably emphasized, let's put a lot of pressure on them early, even pressuring Joel, picking him up 80 feet or so from the basket. And maybe they thought that they could tire him out by pressuring him a lot. And they did get him to commit an offensive foul. And we had a couple other guys. Brandon Robinson had a couple. Playtech had one. We were just sloppy and allowed their pressure to dictate how we ran our offense rather than imposing our will, which is one of the things that frustrates Coach Williams the most is when you allow the other team to dictate what you're doing. And then offensively, they made a lot of shots, made a lot of threes, and I thought we were pretty poor. Just the fundamental of boxing out in in the first half, particularly Luke May, to be honest. He missed a ton of box outs. I think he might have a tough film session in that regard. But clean some stuff up. We'll obviously talk about the second half. But rough first half, like I said, the, the crowd was into it, and Tennessee was feeling good. They had confidence. They made shots. But to only be down six, as poor as it felt like we played, really was was probably better than it should have been. Yeah, you touched on the rebounding there, and I thought in the first half it looked like Tennessee was just a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more physical underneath. And the refs were letting them play. The officials kind of swallowed the whistle, I thought, for both teams there in that first half. And unfortunately, the freshman bigs, and as you mentioned, Luke May even, they just weren't really responding. That's that's what it looked like to me, at least, in that first half. I think that's right. You know, typically when you're a home team and a ranked team is coming to play in your building, your crowd's going to be excited in those first 10, 15 minutes. And you're more than likely going to get the benefit of the doubt from the refs because they're human and they're going to feel the impact of the crowd. And generally calls are going to go the home team's way, which is why it can be important on the road to get off to a good start to quiet the crowd. And we didn't do that. So the crowd was into it. Like I said, those guys had confidence. They made a ton of shots and they made a lot of open threes after offensive rebounds when we did not box out properly or didn't chase the ball down. And they won that 50-50 ball that led to points for them. And it's interesting because, as everybody knows, we've always been one of the best, if not the best, offensive rebounding teams in the country. And it's because we practice it. We, We really focus on it. And it's such a priority from Coach Williams. And literally, if you sat at one of our practices and 
and the offensive team got an offensive rebound, you would hear a coach and the staff shout, make them pay, make them pay. And that's the mantra that we play with is if we get a second opportunity offensively, your goal is to make them pay by getting another open shot or getting a foul and getting to the free throw line, whatever the case. And, and they were imposing that on us, which is not how we typically play. So again, to only be down six after, I don't know what the stats were exactly, but it felt like we lost the backboard. They made more threes and shot better and we turned the ball over a ton. To only be down six and, and that big basket by Sterling at the end of the half was key, I thought, to make it only six instead of eight was probably a little bit of a gift because the way we played, it felt like we could have been down 13, 15 points. And I think Roy even said that in the post game where he got into the locker room and thought Carolina was down by 20. I definitely echo that. I think a lot of it was the heels kept on grinding. I mean, I hate to use the cliche term there, but they really did just keep on fighting back. And I don't think Tennessee played to their highest level either. They kind of came out hot but then they also cooled off. And an interesting tactic that Roy Williams did in that first half was he actually took out Joel Berry for a long stretch and let Felton run the point. I didn't think that was due to injury. So what did you think about that decision, Dewey? So Joel gave the tired signal, which that's been a thing dating back to Coach Smith, is you know when you're gassed, having been up and down a number of times, the rule and the, the way that they coach is if you give the tired signal and ask to come out before coach already has a sub for you, then you can put yourself back in. So he gave the tired signal, but I think Jalik was already at the table. And for whatever reason, maybe Joel was fatigued or needed an extended blow because I was watching the game with a couple of friends. And I said, I think Joel's sat almost eight minutes. Or perhaps he just wanted to give Jalik a chance to, to run the point on the road and feel like he was in charge of the team in that atmosphere and grow from it. He didn't play very well, but meaningful minutes for him just to try to understand what that feels like to run the team in that environment. So I'm not sure exactly why he sat Joel for that long of a stretch other than he looked pretty fresh in the second half and obviously made some big plays for us. But Jalik struggled, but he's going to be all right. It just He's not quite there yet, and if we want to get into that, we can. But he was a little bit deer in headlights during those minutes. Well, I think Jalik was up and down, which, I mean, as you mentioned, is what you would expect from a freshman point guard in Carolina's system. He did have that really nice fast break pass, I believe, was it to Manley for the dunk. So he's capable of playing. It's just going to take time with him. The talent's definitely there, though. No question. No question. And, And Tommy and I talked about this on our last podcast or the one before. To understand the amount of information that is coming from Coach Williams you know, to get to the team through the point guard is immense. If you think about the number of secondary sets that we have and your first job as the point guard bringing the ball down the floor is recognizing, is this a primary break situation or a secondary break? If it's primary, I need to be in the middle of the floor. If it's secondary break, I need to get over to the sort of foul line extended area and we're going to run through our secondary sets. Is it a dead ball? So are we running motion or am I looking at coach for the set? If he's leaving it up to me, who's hot? Who just hit a couple shots? Where does the ball need to go? Which guy on the other team's in foul trouble that we should try to get another foul picked up on him? Defensively, are we in man? Are we running jumping? Are we scrambling? Communicating to my teammates around ball screens? I mean, there's so many things going on. Never mind the fact that he, as a scorer, scoring point guard, is thinking about when should I look for my own and, and maybe try to create something off the bounce. And it can be almost, you know, handicapping 
because there's so many things that are being thrown at you. And this is why over the years, freshman point guards and coaches system sometimes have a difficult time. It's because he gives them the full keys. He says, here's everything. And you're going to figure this out. And sometimes it takes guys longer than others. And, and Jalik, like you said, has all the talent. He's got great size. He's got great vision. He shoots the ball pretty well. He can get to the rim. So he's going to be fine. But right now, 10, 11, 12 games in, it's just there's so much information he's trying to process. It can be difficult. Well, experiences like this, though, to me, are the type that can really benefit later on in the year. Because once Carolina gets into ACC play, if they're on the road again, and to Tennessee's credit, that was a hostile environment. The crowd was in it. So Jalik now has that experience. So if a game where Joel maybe gets into foul trouble or maybe he tweaks an ankle or something, I think this can really translate to a benefit in future games for the Heels. I think you're exactly right. And maybe that's like I, I, I didn't hear the postgame stuff from Coach Williams or if anybody asked him, but maybe he just felt like I'm going to let Jalik run the team for the next six, seven, eight minutes because this is going to benefit when we're playing you know, pick your opponent at state, at Duke, anywhere, because he's going to be able to look back on those minutes of Tennessee, which were tough for him, which didn't go exactly great, and and recognize that he's been in that situation. He's understood that he can look over at Coach Williams and can't hear him because it's so loud. He can't communicate as well with his teammates, all those kinds of things that you just can't simulate in practice. You can only mm-hmm. do it when you're on the road against a power conference team that's got an arena that can hold that many people right? You can't simulate that in those games they played on the West Coast because they're not true road games. You know, even the Stanford game, that's a smaller arena that wasn't really that full. So the first true, fully packed away game for him and to get thrown into the fire like that, like you said, will no doubt give us benefits down the road. Well, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. When we get back, we'll get into the second half and talk about how the Heels were ultimately able to pull this win out. So we'll be right back after this. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back. Jonathan Siegley here with Dewey Burke doing the UNC basketball postgame show. So, Dewey, we've talked about the first half for the Heels. And as you mentioned, Carolina went in only down six. And then in the second half, I think Tennessee maybe extended the lead, I think, to nine at one point. But the second half just had a different feel to it, I thought, from the team. What did you see out of the players in that second half that was different from the first? Well, I think you're exactly right. And even though for probably 10, 12 minutes of that second half, we still found ourselves down anywhere from four to nine, you're exactly right. The feel of the game changed, and we took the fight to them a little bit more. We were more aggressive offensively, getting the ball to the rim. Joel was trying to penetrate and make things happen. And we also turned the ball over. A little bit less, at least it felt like. I don't know about the stats, but it felt like we didn't turn the ball over quite as much in the second half. And it's pretty simple. When you don't turn the ball over and you get shots, you have the opportunity to make that shot or collect the offensive rebound and get a putback. Garrison had a couple of nice finishes around the rim. So did Sterling. Theo was really good getting the ball on the break and pushing the pace. Kenny had a great finish in transition. 
So we got out a little bit better in transition. We didn't turn the ball over as much. And also Tennessee missed some shots. I don't know what they shot from three in the first half, but to finish the game only shooting 36%, it felt like they missed a lot more of the ones that they were making in the first half. So we just collectively played better in the second half. We allowed the atmosphere to maybe impact us a little bit in the first 20 and and just played more like ourselves in the second. Joel was more aggressive, setting the tone, hit a couple shots for us, and we just guarded them better, especially down the stretch when it came crunch time. I thought that our single possession man-to-man defense was much, much better, and we made the plays we needed to make, and then Theo made free throws and got out of there with a win. Let's talk about the freshman bigs real quick, because I thought in the second half, both Brooks and Manley played extremely well. And they just gave Carolina those quality minutes that they're really going to need out of that position. And I thought that they kind of grew up a little bit in that second half because, as you mentioned, Dewey, they did take it back to Tennessee. And I don't think they let themselves get pushed around nearly as much. So what do you see out of specifically Brooks and Manley that is probably positive moving forward? Well, just activity. The biggest thing with those guys, because the focal point of our offense, even though I know we've always forever played inside out, the focal point of our offense is going to be our perimeter players and Luke. We're just not going to run our offense through those guys like we have forever, run stuff through our bigs. And so because of that, they have to find ways to impact the game differently. It's got to be rebounding. It's got to be getting the ball around the rim and finishing. It's got to be making defensive plays. And combined they did a really nice job you look at the box they gave you 19 and 16 between the two of them hard to ask for more than that from a couple kids that again just like Jalik have never really been in an environment quite like that so critical minutes for them also for the learning experience the only thing I'll say is to me Tennessee still looks undersized when you think about them compared to what we'll face down the road I know they had the one kid what was his name Fulkerson who seemed to be a 6'10", 6'11", kid. But outside of that, to me, they still look undersized. So I'm not quite sure that is still the meter to put them against as far as true power conference size, because that test came against Michigan State, and we know how that game went. Uh, yeah. We were out physical, outclassed in the post in that game. So while I thought they played great, I still reserve the full grade on how they're going to be able to play against power conference teams until we get into the conference, because Tennessee, to me, was undersized. Their bigs were really kind of stretched three fours, like Luke shooting threes, then true bangers. So we're going to see how they play when we get into the ACC. But no doubt this was a, a positive step, definitely. Well, and I think there's quite a few ACC teams, though, that are probably going to roll out a lineup similar to Tennessee. Like off the top of my head, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are two teams that I think play those maybe undersized stretch three fours. So the fact that Manly especially not being the most fleet of footed was able to really keep in front of guys and, and limit their effectiveness. I thought that was a big positive personally. Now you make a good point that, you know, the, the offshoot of that, of, of them maybe not getting a true test against traditional size and, and height in the post is we've got to figure out a way to guard their smaller, more athletic guys that they have at the post. And, and they did a nice job. So that's a great point that you make. And look, watch the NBA enough. That's where the game has gone. The stretch four they can shoot is, you know, an ever-present part of the game today. So you're probably exactly right. I haven't seen many other ACC teams play other than Duke, who has, you know, a couple legit bigs. But if other teams are going to roll out guys that can step out, 
these guys are going to have to learn to step out there and guard on the perimeter and get down in the stance and move their feet. And to your point tonight, they did a really good job of that in the second half. Yeah, the team just as a whole really stepped up their defensive effort. I, mean, I think going down the stretch at, at one point, Tennessee had only made maybe like two or three out of their last 16 shots. And the biggest play of the game, I think, aside from Kenny Williams' game-winning shot, which we'll get to in a moment, was Roy Williams deciding to go to the press out of the timeout. I think, what, there was maybe 40-some-odd seconds left? And... It was a minute. I think it was a minute, minute. Okay, Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, but to go to that full-court press and get the turnover, just talk about not only the call, but the execution there. Well, that, the biggest thing is what you said was the execution. I mean, it's one thing to to come up with it in the huddle and say, okay, we're going to let them get the ball in, and then whoever's guarding the inbounder is going to go trap, and then somebody's got to play basically free safety and, and try to make them make a mistake and intercept the pass. It's great to draw it up that way. It's another thing to execute, and that's a great thing. I believe the three people involved in the play were Joel, Kenny, and Theo. And so when you have upperclassmen trying to execute what the coach's vision is, generally it's going to go your way. We were fortunate. Uh, they timed it perfectly, sprung the trap on the guy right in front of our bench in a really bad spot, and he panicked and threw the ball away. You know, We were fortunate that, that that went our way, but it was what you said. It was the execution that was the most critical part of that, which we hadn't done, if I have the, the possessions correctly in my mind. I believe it was the possession before that when we got the 30-second shot clock violation and then turned around and turned it over on the inbounds, which was brutal execution, especially after getting such a great stop and a shot clock violation to not even get the ball inbounds was difficult. But if I, again, if I have these possessions in order correctly, we bounce back after scoring a bucket to get that trap and turnover, which was huge. Yeah, I think you have it right, Dewey. Yeah, uh, so I think, I think we, we had it to one. We get the shot clock violation and then we turn it over. They go and get the layup. We go down and score a bucket to cut it to one. And that was when we ran the trap. We got the turnover, and then Kenny hit the three. I believe that's the sequence of events. So the execution on both the trap and then the possession to get Kenny the three was really outstanding. And again, when it's upperclassmen that are trying to execute for you, you're going to feel really good about your chances of at least getting the shot that you want or getting the trap that you wanted and hoping things go your way. And then the three-point play, to me, that was all Theo honestly, to make the smart play there and get that separation. I think it was May who set the pick that got Kenny the, the little bit of daylight and complete credit to Kenny, too, for making the shot. I think there are a lot of Carolina fans that have wanted Kenny to kind of develop into that late-game three-point shooter, and it was very encouraging to see him just take the shot and then knock it down. I agree. And the thing I look for in situations like that, because when it's high stress, end of the game, and everybody's wanting to make the right play, sometimes you can rush and you can do things that are maybe out of character. So what was most exciting and and something I appreciated most about that shot is that Kenny remained in rhythm. He remained perfectly on balance. His footwork was excellent uh, as far as taking that handoff from Theo and the way he stepped into his shot and went straight up. So those things, to me, sticking to your fundamentals in those stressful situations, things like that getting done correctly give, to me, even more credit to Kenny for things like that, even if the shot had not gone in. You know, whereas sometimes he could have taken a fall away and been off balance and really had no chance to make it. The way that he prepared for the shot and ultimately got it off was very impressive to me. And like you said, I think fans and, 
and people that have been following our program have hoped that this was the Kenny Williams we would have. I would tell you that his confidence is as high as can be as a shooter right now. He believes he's making every one. And that is as important as anything. You know, sometimes when you believe it's going in, that's the most important thing. I will say that while I was prepping to hop on here with you, I was reading some of the post-game threads on Inside Carolina, and someone said that he's the best shooter we've had since Wayne Ellington and maybe better. I would probably pump the brakes on that. Um, I think that's a little much. Forgetting about the part that our all-time leading three-point field goal maker in program history was Marcus Page. Don't forget about him. And let's remember who Wayne Ellington was in comparison to Kenny Williams. I think Kenny's been terrific this year. Wayne Ellington was an absolute surefire top 10 All-American coming into college and was an NBA first-round draft pick who's been in the league a long time now and just hit seven or eight threes the other night. So let's still be realistic about who we are. I think Kenny's, again, been great. I think maybe better than anybody on our team does everything the coaches ask him to do. Just the way he denies guys on the wing, the way he tries to take charges. He could be the most coachable player we have, but let's not get carried away. He's not Wayne Ellington. He'll never be Wayne Ellington, but give the kid credit. Hit a hell of a shot tonight under pressure on the road. And it was a big time make for us. How surprised were you, Dewey, that Carolina shot a three in that situation, only down one? That's a great question. You know, what I liked about it was that it came in the rhythm of our of our motion offense. It wasn't a set play that they ran to get a three. So they came down in motion and they were just going to take the best shot that they could get, the first good shot that was available. And it happened to be that three. Like you said, Luke set a screen for Kenny. Theo was dribbling up by the perimeter, gave him a kind of little handoff rub screen that got Kenny just enough room after his man got caught behind Luke's screen to get the shot off. But it was the first good shot that was available, and we took it, and the kid made it. So you give him credit. So, again, I, I don't know that I would get carried away in saying we were only uh, only down by one, and, and Coach Williams called a set to get a three. That's not what that was. It just happened to be the shot we took. But, again, give Kenny credit for being – you know, in rhythm, on balance, and going straight up and knock down a big-time shot on the road. Do you think that Roy did coach them, though, or tell them to take, like you said, the very first opportunity? Because when Kenny hit the shot, there was, I think, 31 seconds and some change. So theoretically, even if Tennessee had gotten the ball and scored, Carolina would have guaranteed to at least touch the ball again. So is that something that you think Roy Williams told the team in the huddle before that play? You know, except for time and score situations, and what I mean by that is, you know, if it's the end of the first half and there's 18 seconds left, we're going to hold for one and and make sure we take the last shot. Outside of that, that's always how we play. We take the first good shot that's available. So I wouldn't think that he said anything different to them. And in fact, one of the things that Coach Williams says a lot of times down the stretch in games even if we're down and it's under a minute and you really got to get a, get a shot off and hopefully make it and then foul because you're trying to claw your way back into the game. Even in those situations, he will say to the team and to the guys going out on the floor, if you have to take a couple extra seconds, make sure you get a good shot, then do that. Because we've all seen situations where, you know, pick a scenario, you're down by eight and there's 44 seconds left and you have the ball and you're just thinking, get as quick a shot as we can. We got to make a three so then we can foul and hope they miss free throws and maybe we've got a chance. He'll even say in that situation, 
take a couple extra seconds to make sure you get an actual good shot because more often than not, those forced ones are, are worthless. So to me in the huddle, he would have said exactly what I'm talking about, which is let's run our motion offense. Let's take the first good shot that we have available and then get to the board because if we miss, let's get that offensive rebound and put it back in. But hey, again, Kenny knocked the shot down. We ran solid motion offense, screen by Luke, heady play by Theo to give a little handoff and a rub screen just enough to give him an open look, and he made it. And Carolina was also able to make their free throws down the stretch. I mean, Carolina had their, I think, probably the best two free throw shooters that they would want in Theo and Joel. So to me, once Carolina did make that three, I thought the game was basically over with. So, you know, I don't think we, we really need to talk too much after that. Carolina executed. They hit the free throws. Game was over. But moving forward, Dewey, and we'll end after this, what do you think about this game as a whole for the Tar Heels moving forward? I love the fact that we were able to play a true road game prior to getting into the conference and that the young guys were able to get meaningful minutes and come out with a win. There's that old adage that people say you always you know, learn more when you lose, and that's one of the things I know Coach Williams hates. He'd rather learn a lot and still win the game, and I think that's what we did today is our bigs understood that you've got to be ready from the opening tip in a big-time road environment because the other team is going to be jacked up. The fans are into it. They're going to have a sold-out crowd to play against Carolina anytime we go anywhere. And perhaps we weren't quite ready to start the game. And as we talked about in the opening, Tennessee took the fight to us. I'm sure Coach got on them in the locker room at halftime, talked about them raising the level of play, their aggressiveness, winning 50-50 balls, and then ultimately the shots would fall. And that's what happened. It's, it's an amazingly simple game in that it almost always works out that if you play harder, you win 50-50 balls, and you share the basketball, good things happen. You make more shots, the bounces go your way. And that's what happened in the second half. We played like we're capable. Our bigs were really a good help for us, the freshman guys. And then our best players stepped up and made plays. I completely agree with that, Dewey. Thanks again for jumping on with me. Hopefully Tommy gets feeling better. And again, really appreciate you talking with me, man. And it's just encouraging to see a young team keep on growing up. I agree. Thanks, John. It was fun. And uh, if I don't talk to you, make sure you have a Merry Christmas. All right, you too, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.